Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. You're going to set the protection to Chris Jones. Without him in there, all of a sudden it's a different game. There's a lot of protections you can run now because you're not as worried about the one-on-ones. You feel like you can handle it. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, uh, we, we dabbled with some college football over the weekend. A lot of quarterbacks, my beloved conference, the Pac-12, which is ending at the end of this season. Uh, great quarterbacks in the Pac-12. But uh, uh, did, you, did you look at uh, the, the QBs that we saw? Drake May, Caleb Williams. We got a lot for the, uh, for the NFL audience to go ahead and look at the guys who are going to be coming out in next year's draft. You know, in my new book, which will be released tomorrow, yes, sir. shameless plug, I understand. I talk about the great Dan Marino. And what happened to him in his draft class. And that was an incredible draft class. They had five quarterbacks, Blackledge, Tony Eason, you know, Marino, Elway, all that. But really, you know, Marino took a hit because of some character concerns started by a Pittsburgh newspaper that were not true. And his agent, Marvin Demoff, couldn't offset. So my point with tying that to today is this appears to me in just one Saturday of scouting, and obviously we got a long way to go, but there's mm. three legitimate, legitimate quarterbacks Ooh. that may make this a great quarterback draft class without really peeling back the layers. I mean, we know Michael Penix Jr. is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Drake May, to me, was elite, elite, elite. And oh. Caleb Williams won the Heisman last year, and he's a really good player. So, as I've said many times, if Caleb Williams would have come out last year, he would have been the first pick overall in the draft. So now the debate's going to turn to who's better, Drake May or Caleb Williams? You know, I, 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 and then last night, I mean, we watched, you know, Florida State, and we saw, you know uh, – uh, was it uh, Jordan Daniels? Travis? I mean, he, yeah, Jordan, Jordan Travis, and then and, and Jalen, and then the other kid from yeah. you know he's a little more inconsistent. He's down. He's like Spencer Rattler. He's not in that category. But to me, I I, I think it's a, a worthy conversation, which leads us back, Femi, to what we talked about about the Arizona Cardinals. Like if I'm Monty mm. Ossendorf and I watch Drake May, and I watch Caleb Williams, and whether I pay play. Kyler Murray or not, I'm probably going to win three, four games, maybe. Okay, like May's a legitimate kid. If you if you talk to anybody in that kind of world, you know, no social media, all about. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of got a lot of Peyton Manning qualities. I was told by somebody uh, that knows him that that had been around Peyton that he's got a lot of Peyton qualities. I don't want to mm-hmm. jinx the kid and put that on too much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're Monty Asenorf, what are you doing? I know you'll need to watch more tape and you have to get it clarified, but what would you do? Well, we we evaluate the season, and at the end of the season, if we find out that these kids are legit, you got to keep the options open. You got to keep the options open to taking one of these quarterbacks because, like you, I've been a big Drake May fan since last year. I remember watching him last year. uh, They were played Appalachian State. In the, in the first week of the season, last season. And I was like, who the hell is this kid? Like, this kid can play. Like, like, this guy's good. Nobody's really talked about this North Carolina quarterback. And then you hear the backstory of, like, oh, like, he's one of the May kids. Like, the May family is a big, like, North Carolina family. Like, his brother, uh, it was Luke May, was uh, hit the, the game-winning shot in the Elite Eight, like, a handful of years ago for North Carolina's basketball team. Like, like, like the May family is a big North Carolina family. And, like, he might be the best athlete in that family, probably is the best athlete in that family. Uh, I believe his brother played Major League Baseball or was, was on a college baseball team at least. But, I mean, he's yeah. really impressive. I mean, he didn't want to take any visits. I mean, they didn't have to beat anybody to get yeah. him. He was going to North Carolina. It was all the he way. He was all in on North Carolina. That's, yeah. He was, you know. And so, look, I, I, one thing, you, you know, I think when you're watching players, greatness jumps out. It really mm-hmm. does. It's not hard to see great. 
it really isn't. It, it, it's hard to distinguish good from great. And mm. sometimes we get cloudy on that. Mm. But seeing greatness, now I know he threw two picks, all that. I, I really don't care about that. I care about his rhythm. I care about his arm attached to his feet. I care about his ability to process, his ability to understand situational football. I mean, that was really impressive, and so is Caleb Williams, and so is Michael Penix. And I think, to me, this is going to prove to be an incredible college year of evaluating quarterbacks. And, and I think it's really, as Bill Parcells often said to me, we can only take what the colleges bring us. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see more of these guys, and it isn't our just RPOs. So I think it's, to me, that was the best part of the weekend, watching these games, watching these quarterbacks play and, you know, and seeing them and, and, and getting a chance to evaluate them and understanding the teams. I thought it was incredible. Well, it's a great time to talk about these quarterbacks because we're going to do our blue chips, red chips quarterbacks. Everyone's been waiting all offseason for this. We're going to go ahead and figure out who are the, uh, the 10 best quarterbacks in the National Football League. But what did you make of Shador Sanders, Dion's kid? I thought he was terrific against TCU. I, I, I didn't watch much Jackson State, so I didn't have a reference point to go off of. But in one game, I was like, holy hell, Like this guy can play. Like, he's really good. Yeah, I, I don't think – I thought that – look, I, I, I think this whole Dion nonsense is uh, the people critiquing him. I was concerned he wasn't going to be able to get his team synced together with so many new players. But this notion that he doesn't have a good roster is ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. what, I, what I think what we see from Dion is we see a guy who truly can motivate players. He's got great ability to motivate, and yeah. players resonate to him. Even though a lot of the kids that are playing today don't remember him playing, they know who he is, and they can look him up on YouTube. That being said, he also has a way to connect. He's also demanding. If you look at any of his YouTube, I mean, he is the CEO of the program. And he hired a really good staff. I mean, Sean Lewis, the the offensive coordinator of Colorado, who was the head coach at Kent State, I know Sean, so I'll say this as a friend, but I also know Sean as a coach. He's outstanding. Mm -hmm. And he coached. Their offense was really well coached, and so was their defense. And it's a tribute to Dion because he's taken the CEO role. He's not trying to be something he's not. He's the CEO of Colorado football. He's a great evaluator of talent because you could see it in who he picked, whether it's Travis Hunter, who's a five-star, whether it's his own son. But he recognizes talent. He sees it. And, and he was able to bring his team together. I, I, I think it was great. And I think Sanders is another guy you got to take a look at. He made great decisions on the move. You know, the second play within the play, he was able to find it. The fourth and two that really wins the game when he throws the out over there was, out, was a great throw. So, yeah, I mean, you got to put I – mean, I think there's – I saw three that I said, okay. Now, I'm like you. I haven't seen enough of Sanders to put him up there. Mm. But he may get up there. He, he's up there for me. He's, I, I, I watched him and I was like, oh, this is one of the five best quarterbacks Don't in the you country. need more time, though? I mean, you usually need more time. I mean, you're still working on Barry Sanders. You need more time on this Sanders? <laughs> well, I finally got to be LT tape, so, so we're still evaluating yeah, you, that. You know, and you're getting your ass ripped on Sopranos, too, by the way. I've got more people like, you know, when's Femi? You know, he promised and he didn't deliver. Well, we'll have a surprise for people coming up on Thursday. That's, that's that. I, All right. I, was, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up, but uh, there's a surprise for folks on Thursday as it pertains to the Sopranos. But – so Shador Sanders, Dion's kid, like to me, like, like when you said that greatness you can see easily, like good, it's almost harder to evaluate good than it is to evaluate greatness. I'm not saying that this guy is like the best quarterback ever, but from what I saw on Saturday, I was like, holy hell, like, like this kid is one of the five best quarterbacks I'll see in the country. Like, I don't think we're going to see five better quarterbacks. And I actually want to highlight a guy that I know you've been high on. Not many people outside of Pacific Northwest know him, but. How about the Washington State quarterback, Cameron Ward? Oh, like, yeah. like, you've mentioned him a couple talk of times. About that. You mentioned him a couple. I, of, like, he I, was outstanding on Saturday. Night. Oh, he's really good. He's really good. I, you know what I loved? I loved that on our show on Saturday, everybody was on the Colorado State train. Uh huh. And I don't know if you remember, we had somebody. I think it was Wes Reynolds we had on the show, and I'm like, Wes, love Colorado State. He went through all his dissertation on it. And I'm like. You know, Cameron Ward's really good. You know, like they got a really good quarterback at Washington State. You know, like I, I, again, how about Jaden Delora at yeah. Arizona? Now he threw an interception and he fumbled, but he's Bryce Young light. 
And I'm not mm. saying he's going to be a top five pick, but he's Bryce Young light. He's he does a lot of things. He had a 50 yard run against. Now I know it was against Northern Arizona. He goes to they go to Mississippi State this week, but you know they he's got some stuff to him. You know, and and I watched DJ yesterday. I thought DJ looked mm-hmm. better at Oregon State, yeah. but he still was slow process, and I didn't get the sense of a rhythm with him. Right. Like with May, with Ward, with Delora, with with uh, Sanders, you know, with Penix, you get a rhythm to their game. You can feel it, right? I think this is going to be an unbelievable year for quarterbacks, and I'll go on the limb and saying today, September the fourth, that the debate between May and and Caleb Williams will go on until probably the commissioner walks on that stage. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a fun year to to evaluate. I think, especially when we get to the draft process, like the regular season's going to be a lot of fun. But once we get to the draft process, this could be a situation where we have like 15, 20 guys get drafted at quarterback. Like, like, like there's a lot of really good quarterbacks in college football right now. And if you're not a college football fan, I know we mainly are an NFL podcast, but people who do not watch college football, it's like, take a look this year. Because you're going to see guys who are going to be playing on Sundays and you're going to see them playing on Saturdays this season because I think we have a terrific group of quarterbacks like Caleb Williams, Shadur Sanders, Drake May. I don't know which one's going to be the best. Like, Caleb, some of the out-of-structure stuff that Caleb does, I don't know if you saw the throw that he had on the sideline, Michael. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he is like a magician. Now, I want to see him play yeah. a little bit more on time, but the out-of-structure stuff, is just like like that's just the natural instincts that we talk about when we evaluate the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I think no question we want to see him do that. I mean, but that's just what what you, you know you got to. It's a process, right? Scouting is about finding, and so when you see guys that fit the car, I mean, May six four, you know, he mm. looks like Peyton Manning back there. He's actually, you know, he looks like he's a, a really good player. I mean, I'll tell you another one. Put him on the radar, Dante Moore, UCLA. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you watched any of that game against Coastal Carolina, uh-huh. but here's another one. He's I mean, a freshman. Th- it's a shame the Pac-12 is splitting up because there are a lot of good quarterbacks in the Pac-12. But I do think that you can see it. In, you, you could see it. Okay, like I, you could, I could see it with Williams. I could see it with May. The off-schedule plays are really good. I think this is going to be the conversation through the year. And here's one we left out. Mm. We left out Sam Hartman, who yeah. if I'm – if I'm a better, I'm going to play Sam Hartman for the, for the Heisman this year. Because with that powerful Notre Dame uh, PR firm, they can get behind you. And Hartman can be in this conversation. Now, he's an older player. I think he's 24. Yeah. But Hartman's really good, too. There's one we missed. <laughs> you mentioned the PR machine. He has a whole broadcasting company behind him, NBC. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're doing- I mean, that's a good play. I think he's 12-1 to 1 to win the Heisman. Don't rule him out. They played North Carolina State this week. Yeah. I think that's a – I mean, we should do a Heisman watch. He was 25-1 to 1 last week, so the odds are already moving. We'll talk some more NFL news and notes on the other side. It's the GM Show. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So – As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. We got our college football talk out of the way, but I thought it was just it was important to, to highlight 
how many great quarterbacks we have in college football. And once again, we're going to do our blue chips, red chips, quarterbacks coming up a little bit later on here in the podcast. But let's discuss some news and notes from around the NFL before we get into that. One being Cooper Cup, the Los Angeles Rams all-pro wide receiver, former offensive player of the year. Well, Michael, Cooper Cup, after being listed as day-to-day, according to Sean, or Sean McVay and talking about how he had a setback, he is now visiting a specialist in Minnesota to further understand his hamstring issue. And when I hear that, uh, it sounds like he's a guy that's not going to be playing on Sunday. Uh, well, I, I, what happens here? What's behind this thing? I never have heard uh, of anybody going to see a hamstring specialist. You know, I mean, the, to me, yeah. there's something else here. Could it be his lower back? Could it, you know, I mean, there's always something that creates a problem when it comes to hamstrings, you know, when soft tissue injury. So I, I, I have never seen, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's not doable or plausible, but I'm just saying I've never seen a guy have to go to a – they go to specialists for feet and ankles and all that, mm-hmm. but I've never seen a guy that, that does that for, you know, for this, for this right? So I, I got to believe that this is probably uh, something to be concerned about, really. I mean, you got to be concerned about it. And I think when you look at Cup's career coming off the injury – you know, and you see what he's done. I mean, the, the I think what people misconstrue is the 2021 season. I mean, he was incredible. 1,900 yards. I mean, there's only been one other year where he gained 1,000 yards. That was in 19. Hmm. And he averaged 12 points for that. He's had that year, and he's had the 21 year. But other than that, you know, and, and he's got 46 career touchdowns so far, right, mm-hmm. in his career, 46. He 26 of them came those two seasons. Yeah, it's I I don't know what's going on with his injury, but I would be stunned at this point if he plays week one on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm looking at the line right now. I see that Seattle is a five point favorite. Uh, Some places have five and a half, but five seems to be consensus Uh, as as a betting man. uh, I don't I don't want to lay points week one. But if you were to lay points with any favorite, I feel like laying five with Seattle that line's probably going to close around six or so once Cooper Cup is actually yeah, rolled out. Yeah, maybe it will. I just know the last two games against them in Seattle and down in Los Angeles, you know, the Rams have, have – they'll play them tough. If you're going to bet against the Rams, be careful in September. This will be the healthiest they will be. Aaron Donald will be great, right? Mm-hmm. Stafford will be good. He'll be really good. And Sean McVay will be able to do some things because nobody's seen it. So I, I would just say I would be really careful. I, I might be on the – I mean, I'm working on it this week, mm-hmm. but that's one of the games that I haven't eliminated from my board. And I, I would say to me everybody's going to go against the Rams here, but these are too close, these kind of games, whether cup plays or not, I don't really care. These mm-hmm. games are usually too close, and the Rams with Stafford are, are have at least a chance because he can make plays. Yeah, we're starting to put our handicapping uh... – caps on in fact i michael i don't know if you saw this or not but uh i went ahead and signed up circa survivor circa million we signed up yesterday we're locked and loaded we're ready to go all we, right we got both i love them. it <laughs> we're ready well, did to you go. when you signed up did you have your justin fields uniform on did you have were you already in that i had my Tua jersey on actually oh good i love that <laughs> yeah well i'm glad i love that that's awesome we're good to go so did you so you signed up for both right yes i signed up for have both. you always done both so last year i was on a team with the millions, and then I did my own Survivor. So this year I'm doing my own on both. So uh, you're doing I, your I, own I, on both. Yeah, like I, I enjoyed being on a team, but like I, I kind of like I want to have my own conviction. And like, when you're on a team, right. you're kind of debating different things. It's like all right, like like this is your pick, this is your pick. And, like sometimes you don't agree with all of your picks. I was like, let me see how I can actually do. And 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 it's unlikely. How that did I your team the do? Money. We didn't finish in the money last year. Like, I mean, it, it's, it was a tough year for us for handicapping-wise. And obviously, once you get to the second half of the season, you start trying to do different things to go ahead and stray from what the consensus is going to be because you're trying to make up ground. So for our actual record, like we were above 500, but like our actual record and like what we liked in games, it's, it's tricky because like you do the whole contest strategy stuff to try to make up ground. But this year, I'm hoping that we can get off to a good start. I'm hoping that I can get off to a good start. Well, and, I, I and, think this, uh, people that don't, don't know the Survivor's hard. It's one of the hardest contests to do. You got yes. You just have to pick one winner. Sounds easy on paper, hard to do. It is not. The millions is even harder. You got to be 72% accurate mm-hmm. to win the damn thing. You got to be at least 70% to get in the money. And, and they pay, and at least Circa does, they pay every quarter. 
So it's a hard contest to do. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I think I like to look at the, the lines on Thursday when the circle lines come out for the contest because, for me, it's an indication of the lines of where they could potentially be Sunday morning yeah. because they're, fairly, they're not going to give away. A lot of times, though, I will say this to you, when the lines have moved or when there's been a disadvantage – it's going to get everybody jumps on it in the contest and they end up losing. Yep. Like those stale lines that people talk about, like, oh, like there's so much like plus EV on this because the line is here and it's stale here. Oftentimes you want to kind of play against that and like take the bad number, which is like kind of like it's, it's in theory, it sounds really bad, but you kind of have to do that to go ahead and like stray from the pack and actually win the contest. So uh, we're hoping that we can finish in the money this year. It's like top 100 gets paid out in the contest. There's thousands of people in the contest, so that, that'll be difficult to do. But uh, hopefully we can go ahead and do that. We'll if you're in Vegas, sign up. Go to the Circa and sign yeah. up. It's really a good contest. Yeah. The other thing I think you have to do in, in anything that you do in terms of decision-making is you have to eliminate. I think that's one of the most important things to do. You know, like for me, I'll never give out a Raider game as on when I'm doing the show on Sunday as, as a play. Not that I bet because I don't, mm-hmm. but I would never do because obviously I have a vested interest in that. Yeah. And so uh, but to me, there's games you've got to just kind of eliminate like like let's we're going to talk about Nick Bosa. You know, he's not in yet. And Kyle's even a little bit worried about him coming in. How could you not? Today's be? Monday. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and. I would think it would have gotten done. Who's that reporter that predicted it would get done? I told you he doesn't have sources. I told you that. I mean, he was wrong on the 76ers too, you know. And so uh, I think t- I-, I think if they don't come in soon enough, you- you've got to be careful about that game. San Francisco's defense is a lot different with Bosa than it is without him. Speaking of guys coming in, I mean, this Chris Jones situation, uh, I- he's not going to play Thursday. I don't see how he gets in there. Like, unless they come to an agreement within the next five minutes and we get a notification on X that he has signed. Today is Thursday for practice week for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. He didn't practice yesterday on Sunday. Unlikely to practice today. Like He said he wants to hold out until week eight. He's, he's saved up money to go ahead and take those fines and, and miss the game checks. But how, how does this impact Kansas City's defense? Like He is like their best defensive player, and it's a big drop-off without him in the lineup. I think the other thing, too, I agree. And, and I think the reason I agree is because weather. We, we don't talk enough about weather mm. in September. We talk at, at length at weather in November and December and January, mm-hmm. which it really is insignificant, right? It's hard to catch a cold football. It's hard to kick a, a cold football. But players can play in it. Where you get into a lot of issues is in the heat and humidity. So – the, the, the weather report for, not that I'm a weatherman, but the weather <laughs> report for Thursday night, it's going to be 82 degrees, 10-mile-an-hour winds, and rain showers. Okay? So I don't know what the humidity is going to be, but it's going to be hard for him to get off his couch. And I'm sure he's working out. Mm-hmm. But to go out there and battle and play for 70 plays, I mean, that's what made the Travis Hunter thing on, on Saturday so incredible. The kid played over 100 plays in the heat and humidity in Texas, and – and played at a high standard. I mean, he played like you couldn't believe. That's mm-hmm. great conditioning. That's that's a tribute to their head coach who has his team in shape. So uh, I, I think that would be hard. I don't just reading Andy Reid's comments this morning as I prep for the show. I, I think he clearly knows he's not going to be. And look, let's be clear here: the strength of Detroit's their defense, offensive line. That's the strength of their team. And you take away one of their players. The, the best player on the Chiefs on defense, you take him out. I mean, golf's going to be really happy about this. Well, Andy Reid was asked about it, and if Chris Jones was going to be available for this Thursday's game, he said, quote, I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't know what his agenda is, whether he's coming or not coming. We're rolling right now. I haven't put that much thought into that part. So that's where things stand from Andy Reid's standpoint. Here's what Chris Jones' teammate did say, though, Travis Kelsey, on his podcast, the New Heights podcast with his brother Jason Kelsey. Oh, was uh, is there any updates on uh, Chris Jones, how he's handling this uh, situation? Do you want to talk about it? Oh, man, Chris, can you please come back? <laughs> You're really scaring me, man. I don't I don't get it. He, you must know something that I don't know because – 
I just don't get it. I really want to get another Super Bowl ring with you, brother. This is me bargaining you to just come back and play football for the Chiefs. Please, we need you. Well, I just we hope you're bad. And yeah, I don't I know he, what the situation is. Obviously, well, the situation is you guys aren't paying him enough, and I think you should hold off <laughs> as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Those two guys are obviously good together, brothers Travis and Jason Kelsey. But you hear Travis Kelsey talk about it and said, you're scaring me, man. We need you. <laughs> like, like I'm sure yeah. Mahomes feels the same way. I'm sure, how about Steve Spagnola? How do you think he feels, oh, right? He's like, please come back. You, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you, if see, here's, here's the impact of the injury. So if you're Detroit and you're Ben Johnson and the first thing you do on – all offseason was to set the protection to Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. You're going to set the protection to Chris Jones. And without him in there, now all of a sudden you don't have to worry as much about how we're setting the – there's only certain protections we can run. We want to make sure we got him doubled. We want to do this. Now he's not in there. All of a sudden it's a different game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when Freeney would come out of a game when he played for the Colts, take a shot down the field. You had a better chance to throw a deep ball. Same thing. Chris Jones not in the game. There's a lot more. There's a lot of protections you can run now because you're not as worried about the one-on-ones. You feel like you can handle it. Not many people can handle the big fella. I mean, the the thing about the if you go back and watch the Eagle Chiefs Super Bowl, and I've watched it numerous times. I mean, he wasn't as dominant in that game because none none of the defensive linemen could be. They couldn't really get their footing. The field was so oh. bad. You know, that it really that it impacted them and it impacted everybody. But without him in the game, without him, like if you watch the Raider game or you watch the Bengal game or you watch any of those games at the end of the year when he was taken over, it's, it's unbelievable. And Kelsey's right. They got to pay him, but it's hard. You got Mahomes, you got Kelsey, who's one of the selfless players in the league. I mean, he said he wants to win. He demonstrates that. I mean, he should be paid over 20 million a year as the best receiver in football, and he's not, and he doesn't get it. We have to have a 30 for 30 on the sod father who was in charge of the field at the Super Bowl. But on the other side, we'll do Blue Chips, Red Chips, quarterbacks. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's get to it, Michael. Our blue chip and red chip quarterbacks. And before we get into the list, let's talk about the guys who just missed out because there is a big name who just missed out on the blue chips and red chips quarterbacks, and that is Aaron Rodgers. So you have Aaron Rodgers, Tua Tungavailoa, and Dak Prescott on guys who just missed out on making your list here. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Jets fans, Cowboys fans, Dolphins fans wondering why. Uh, Can you explain why those guys did not make the cut? Well, I mean, it's not too hard to figure out why Rodgers didn't make the cut. I mean, you know, he didn't play well last year. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is based on last year. It's not based on the career. Yeah. You know, it's based on what he did last year. You know, you could argue – that, you know, look, I didn't think Dak played to a level that was conducive to a, to a red chip level. I never feel like Dak's going to be a blue chip player, but certainly Dak should be a red chip player. Mm-hmm. But you got to protect the football. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't play to that level. Matthew Stafford wasn't healthy enough. Carr, who was in our group last year, didn't play to it. Tua wasn't healthy. But when you really watch Tua, it, Tua's, 
I mean, he benefits from those receivers. Look, I'm not taking anything away from him, but there's some times where he gets bailed out quite a bit and makes mistakes. Those receivers help him. I, I think sometimes, I mean, could you imagine if, I mean, Geno Smith, you know, would have never been thought of to make the list, but you couldn't argue with the year he had. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing for Geno Smith. It's like he was completely off the radar at this time. I mean, we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo going to Seattle, Baker Mayfield going to Seattle, all these different quarterbacks. And then here comes Geno Smith, wins comeback player of the year, and is now the bona fide QB1 in Seattle. So let's get into the red chips list. Geno Smith is one of the red chips that you have on your list. Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings, Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions, and Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. I d- debated to put Lamar in there, you know, because he missed some games this last season. You know, he was in 12 games, but his numbers were still good. I mean, he's still a threat, and, and he's going to be a problem. I, I couldn't imagine him not being a red chip when he's on the field. He's not going to be like Deshaun Watson was last year. So I had to put him in there. I thought Lawrence, the second half of the season, really improved. You can't argue with Cousins. I mean – you can argue he doesn't win the big games, but you can't argue with his numbers. He's kind of like Warren Moon. He puts up incredible numbers. doesn't take his team to a Super Bowl, but he puts up incredible numbers, and you can't argue with that. And then Goff. I mean, Goff didn't turn the ball over the second half of the season after the five turnovers against Detroit against Dallas. He played really well, protected the football, made all the throws. You know, they've got a good line in front of them. You know, I'm not a big golf fan because I believe like when you pressure him and speed the game up or make it a drop back pass game. But when golf can run the ball, remember Detroit's run game last year, they were they were one of the higher per, uh, percentages of run of run first and throw first. Hmm. And so that really they you need that you need golf to have a good running game. Again, that's not a weakness. That's just the way you have to manage the quarterback when he was good at the Rams. Gurley was humming. They could run the football. Their offensive line was playing better. I think he's got those things in Detroit. Yeah, no, uh, that, that offensive line is terrific. That makes that offense go. It makes Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, his job. It makes it much easier. And it makes Jared Goff's job much easier because that's when he actually plays well, when he is protected like you outlined. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, is. I think he's one of those guys that maybe when we have this conversation next year, he might be in the blue chip category. But for right now, he's in the red chip category. What did you see from Trevor Lawrence now that he got some really good coaching in year two under Doug Peterson? I think we saw more of what we saw at Clemson, right? I thought his mechanics were better. His decision-making still wasn't great. But I thought, you know, he was really effective uh, throwing the ball. I mean, his interception percentage was 1.4, which is pretty damn good uh, when you look at it. But he got bailed out a few times. Look, with Ridley on the field now, I think this offense is going to take off. If ATN stays healthy, which I believe he can, this offense is going to take off because Ridley was the missing link to it. Ingram's not really a tight end. He's more of a wide receiver. But with they can really get it going. If they protect him, you got a hard matchup. Who you you know, who's your fourth corner or covering Ingram? Who's your fourth corner gonna cover Christian Kirk? Who's covering Zay Jones? I mean, those are hard questions. You want to play man, you know, we never talk about it. the value of the third corner is significant, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you go out there and you're playing a team like Jacksonville, how are we matching up? How are we matching up on this? Yeah, uh, Lawrence, I mean, he's been the guy that we all projected coming out of Clemson. Uh, top-ranked quarterback, one of the top high school recruits. Like, he's been a, pe- a high-pedigree guy all throughout his career dating back to high school, and he's living up to it down there in Duval County. Big expectations for Jacksonville this year. I'm not as high on Jacksonville. Uh, we- we've talked about that all throughout this offseason, but big expectations nonetheless there in Duval County. Yeah, it- it- it's funny. The first time I saw Lawrence, the first time I saw him play, uh, he came off the bench. He was backing up somebody. And, and mm-hmm. I had the same reaction that I had with Drake May. Mm-hmm. Same one. Like, this guy's special. This guy's got it. You know, and and he was a great kid and all those things. See, I think, too, you know, part of the conversation with the Cardinals is, you know, the, the your best player has to be the best leader. He's got to be the one who cares the most. I mean, you know, to get everybody else to care as much as he does. And if you don't do that, if you're not that kind of guy – Again, you know, I mean, I'm sure that when Jonathan Gannon and when Monty Ostendorf walked in the building and they saw the picture of Buda Baker on the on the field and Kyler over there, you know, I mean, they go change. I think it was uh, Kelly Bryant, I believe, was the quarterback in uh, that was starting ahead of Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. That didn't last That's right. very long. 
<laughs> that, didn't, yeah. that didn't last very long once Trevor Lawrence actually got to campus. Uh, your blue chip quarterbacks, this is the creme de la creme at the would most you, important Let me ask position. you this question. Yeah. I know you might need more tape, but would you have put Aaron Rodgers in, in, in the red chip after that year he had? I, I would have. I still would have, I think. Just because how and, can and, you? And that, how could you grade? Yeah. Honestly, you're grading. You're grading on past performance. Yeah, and, and and I'm guilty of that. I admit it. I'd be guilty of grading on past performance. But I mean, I, I still look at the red chips list, and I said, if I had one game to win last season of those quarterbacks, would I want these guys ahead of Aaron Rodgers? And I would have picked Rodgers ahead of a lot of those guys. Now, well, Lawrence like, won the game you had to win. Golf won a game you had to win against them up there. You know. Uh, Cousins won, you know, he didn't win the playoff game. Gino had a chance in that one. I mean, then is then, now is now. I, 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 look, I think Aaron Rodgers will be better this year, but I don't think you can, you know, look, against Detroit, in Detroit, he cost, they threw those interceptions to kill him. Yeah, he did. In both Detroit games. The, the game in Detroit and then the game in Week 18, he was throwing interceptions as well with right. the season Right, you, you got to grade what you see. You got to grade what you see. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I, I, I'm I, I'm admitting it. I'm, I was I would be guilty. I, I would have graded off of past performance. But uh, kudos to you for uh, not looking at that. And, and no, I mean I'm not trying to get it as a prop. I'm just saying I think we have to see this evolves into handicapping teams, mm-hmm. right? If you if you constantly think then is now instead of now is now, you're you're going to keep making mistakes because you're like you're not saying this now. If he flips it and all of a sudden. Oh wow, he's really much better this year. But even in the one preseason game against the Giants, it didn't look like he was in rhythm. He missed a crosser that he never really misses. Yeah. You know, the Giants were playing their second team defense against him. Yeah. And- now I understand the offensive line is going to need some work, but you know, I, I just think to me, you got every year you start with a new with a new grade. Yeah, I think a lot of that hype from that preseason game is that. They got bailed out by a pretty uh, advantageous pass interference call. <laughs> like, 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 like that drive was about to end if not for that pass interference against the uh, the Giants' second or third string cornerback, and and that's when they were able to continue on and go down the drive and uh, and score a touchdown. But it, it wasn't. The, I think he uh, the caught smoothest. that pass though. I mean, the kick Garrett Wilson caught that pass on the right no. sideline. You're talking about? Yeah, on the right side. I think it was incomplete. Yeah, he caught that pass. Did he he caught it. Okay, well, I'll yeah, do, he did. Go back and take a look at the. It tape was a here. hell of a catch, hell of a throw. I mean, he caught it. I mean, they called it, but he caught it. Yeah, well, Wilson's a stud. That's that's that's, that's a guy that I think we're going to see. Uh, but look, I, I'm not a big QBR guy, but <laughs> Rogers was ranked 27th in QBR. Russell Wilson was 28th. We kill Russell Wilson. That's fair. Yeah, that's a fair point. Because Rogers, like, there's a reason why Green Bay didn't make I mean, the playoffs we, last year. We we think Ryan Tannehill's completely sucks. He was 24th. Jets are going to need the the 2020 version or the 2021 version of Aaron Rodgers, not the 2022. Yeah. And, and I and I think you you have to modify your expectation of that. I think he'll be good. Do I think he's going to be the elite elite? The reason he's getting older is it's because it's hard to maintain that elite elite. Hundred percent is. It's I mean, what well, he's 40 now, right? Like it's or, or 39 yeah. at least. Like I like guess he's getting up. No, there. he's 40. I think. Yeah, 40. I think he turned 40. Yeah. Well. Good luck to the New York Jets. Hopefully he plays well because uh, their expectations are very high in the Meadowlands. Uh, expectations are high, though, for this group of blue-chip quarterbacks, and it'll start with Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP, also won the Super Bowl last season, two Super Bowls. Mahomes putting together a, a Hall of Fame caliber career so far through six seasons as a starter. Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, also a blue chip. Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. And then Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. But Mahomes is the best of the best, and there's no arguments coming from anybody in that regard. No. I mean, you know, fourth quarter comeback, fourth quarter game-winning drives. I mean... You know, he had four of them last year. I mean, you can't you can't really argue that, right? You can't yeah. argue that at all. And so I don't think you can argue with any of these guys the way they played. I think Josh, you know, probably needs to run less but be a dominant runner. I don't think people realize Jalen Hurts ran for less of an average rushing. He had about 50 more rushing attempts, but his average per rush was down. But the threat of the run was there, and people had to defend it. And I think Josh has got to kind of play that way and stay healthy. You know, and Burroughs, Burroughs is pretty steady. I think this is – I don't know how you could argue with anybody in this group. Herbert, to me, I mean, they don't run the ball enough for him. He's 32nd in every single rushing category. I mean, they were 31st. Tampa was 31st, 32nd in every rushing category. 
But if they give Burrow, if they give Herbert more of a balance to where he can control the pace of the game, there's no telling how great he can be. Yeah, I mean Herbert, he jumps off the screen when you when you watch him play. And yeah. I, as as a Washington Husky fan, I still sit back and think, I'm like, how the hell did this team not make the playoff? Oregon <laughs> when Justin Herbert was their quarterback. But I mean, that uh, might, might two have to do words, with coaching. Mario, Mario. <laughs> Might have to do with the coaching there. Uh, but I want to have more of this Jalen Hurts conversation on the other side, but we can begin it here. Hurts was not a red chip last year. He was not on the radar for a lot of people. Vaults into the right. blue chip category here in 2023. It's a testament to what he's been doing all throughout his career, dating back to his freshman season at Alabama. I think every single season he has no. gotten better. Right. I mean, look, last year he goes down to Tampa, and when they had to throw the ball, they couldn't throw it. It's a credit, really, to the Eagles for building the six-back offense around them and taking what he did does really well and modifying that into something that was great. And I think there lies the difference. It's the, the kids' work habits and the scheme meeting one at, 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 at a center, and all of a sudden you get this incredible player. Yeah, he is an incredible player, and he is uh, one of the favorites to go ahead and win MVP. We'll continue the conversation on the other side and wrap up the show here. This is the GM Show. We'll sort of wrap up our conversation on the blue chip quarterbacks. Once again, those quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles, Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers, and Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. And we were, you were making the point as we were heading to break here, Michael, about how Jalen Hurts, it's been a combination of his work ethic and also a combination of the Philadelphia Eagles organization to have a plan in helping develop the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who has now become a franchise QB. And we saw it with the contract that he got earlier this offseason. Yeah, I mean, look, his completion ability of throws down the field has really improved, right? I mean, when he first started out, he, you know, he was in hitting open receivers, he was above 25% missing them, which is, and so was Josh Allen. And he's improved his accuracy down the field. There's no question about that. But what, what, what they've been able to do is utilize his skill set, his unique skill set, his size to run this six-back offense, this single-wing offense, where even if he doesn't have the big runs or lead the team in rushing, the threat of the run becomes so difficult. And look, the Eagles want to run the football. I mean, make no mistake about it. They want to run the ball, and they make explosive plays off the run. And so when you, when you break that into it, and they've tailored this offense, which fits him perfectly. Now, would he be great if they went back to the – to the old, you know, would he be? Would Jalen Hurts be great in the West Coast offense? And I would say to you, probably not. Probably not. Because he doesn't really play a game with rhythm and timing. He plays more of a power game. And so, and then when he gets behind, you know, when he gets behind and he's got to throw it 43 times like he did in Tampa, it's not going to look very good. But what they've done is they've done exactly what I've said and credit them because they recognize this, right? They've built their team around his strengths. They bring in A.J. Smith, A.J. Brown, right? They got Waddle. They got Goddard. And now all of a sudden, you know, they've got a running back. They don't put any money in the running back, and now they can execute. Credit Seriani with it. And I, I think that's really what it is because if you just watch the Tampa game and he's staring receivers down, he's trying to read it out, they went, to, they went back to the board and said, okay, we maximize this player by doing this. I think Pittsburgh's going to do the same thing with Pickett. New England has to do the same thing with Mac Jones. Every team has to do the same thing with their quarterback, maybe with the exception of Patrick Mahomes. I think Herbert, as great as Herbert is, if they maximized what he could do in a better way, in a better frame, which is take some of the heat off of him and you know, take some of the pressure and not have it to be a, you know, a 45-pass game, I think that would that would make him look like a better player. Not that he's not a good player. Mm -hmm. It's funny the difference a year makes because I remember that Tampa Bay Buccaneers playoff game they were referencing when the Eagles were on the road and Tampa. That was the year with Tom Brady. The year after the Super Bowl when the Bucks were the two seed and people were calling for them to play Gardner Minshew 
in that game. Like, that's how bad it had gotten in that playoff game. And then to see it now where we're having this conversation where Jalen Hurts is among the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, I think that's kind of just like, to put that into context, it just sort of puts a bow on on how good he was last season and what the Eagles have done to help him out. And also what he's, credit to him as well, with the work ethic that he's well, done to go ahead and get better. I mean, look, he, he's more accurate on deep throws. His first year in the league, he was 26% of the time he threw a bad ball. 26.7% of the time he threw a bad ball. Mm-hmm. Last year, he got that number down to 14.2. And he was on target with his throws 77.8% of the time. And why is that? Because they're giving him throws that he's comfortable with. This is my point with Lamar. I think Lamar becomes a better player when you give Lamar the throws that he's comfortable making. And a lot of it is when you are playing the position of quarterback, you are constantly trying to uh, design the offense around what he does. And I don't want to hear this nonsense, well, we got to be multiple. If you're not any good on offense, it, you don't, if you don't have any tendencies, you're not any good, right? Mm-hmm. The year Lamar won the MVP, the year he threw for – 3,127 yards, he still had 17.5% of the bad throws. But but why was that? That was his best year ever in bad throws. Last year, he was at 18.1. But the reason he was so good in 19 is because they threw the ball in the middle of the field. They had Andrews and Hayden Hurst. That's where he throws the best. That's when he's throwing the football the best. And so, you know, and they only had... They had very low drop percentage. That was the lowest drop percentage he's had in his career. But they keep trying to design an offense around, oh, we're going to bring in, you know, we got uh, Zay Flowers. We got, you know, Hollywood Brown. We're going to bring in all these outside receivers. But that's not what he does well. He does well throwing the ball in the middle of the field. Now, maybe they're going to use these receivers in the middle of the field like San Francisco does. But that's the key. And when you get that, it's like you don't want a guy who's a great three-point shooter taking a shot where he's not at, at, at the spot where he likes to be. Same thing with quarterbacks. 100%. And that, Michael, wraps up our blue chip, red chip series from this offseason. Uh, congratulations. Once again, we've gone through all the position groups. If you miss any of the podcasts, we encourage you to go ahead and check them out over at the GM Shuffle. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. But the blue chip, red chips, it's the haze in the barn. And now we play the games. Now we play the games starting on Thursday, which I'm very excited for. And I saw you were tweeting earlier this morning. You were up at it early, man. This is 635 Eastern, 335 West Coast time. And you tweeted this. You said, what I love most about the NFL season is the routine. Mm -hmm. Each day is different. Each day is scheduled with work that must be accomplished. And the test results are final each Sunday. The next five and a half months are the best part of the year. Enjoy the routine. Buddy, the routine begins on Thursday. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when you're in the league, and I'd still take the approach that I'm in the league uh, in terms of study and tape. And, you know, for me, you, you know, when, you, when you're in that early morning club, you kind of have a routine. And when you get to work early, this is kind of what you do. And on Mondays, you know, you know you're gonna, the first thing you do when you get in that building is you're watching the tape, you're grading every player in the game. And then you're going to have a meeting, and then you're going to go back over it again. Then you're going to start getting ready for the next week's game, and that's Monday. And Tuesday is all watching next week's game and doing all those things, maybe bringing players in for workouts. Wednesday, it's practice, you know, and then you start working on the next week's opponent. And Thursday, you, you work a little bit more on college football, and then Friday is mostly all college football. Saturday, you're back working on the team you're getting ready to play, so you're back at that, and you're watching – un- you're watching practice this whole time and you're writing notes on every single player in practice, unlike what Ron Rivera did, uh, in which we wrote about for the Daily Coach today. You should read it. It's, Sherlock it's, Holmes. It often happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it's when you just, when you see things, but you don't observe. You know, I, I, and I do this all the time. I walk around Ocean City, and I, if you've never been here before, mm. but this is a summer beach town, right? And homes that were built 30 years ago are worth are, are not the land is what's most valuable and so you you walk the dogs and you like god what they just tore that house down and i forget what house was there and that's what seeing is and not observing right mm-hmm. we tend to go through life where we see and don't observe and when you and that's what that's what rivera did he went out to practice every day and he didn't see anything he, he wasn't observing and that's a Sherlock Holmes mandate. And I think that's what you have to do if you really want to be good at this profession. If you're a young coach or you're a young leader, you got to see and observe. And we can learn a lot. You know, 
Sherlock Holmes is a fictional character, but Sir Arthur uh, Conan Doyle based it off of a lot of him and deductive reasoning. So there's a lot of truth within him that you have to glean. Mm, yeah, that's a great lesson that we encourage everybody to check that out over at thedailycoach.com there talking about Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders the Commanders team that both of us are high on uh, expect them to go ahead yeah. and, and potentially Except I, got a, I got a text from a buddy he said oh. I agree they, they, he read all the, he read all the uh, the write-ups that I had in, in the guide you know uh -huh. and uh, and they're like I can't I'm not buying Washington on Rivera which really? I kind of agree with like I'm in on that because I think six and a half is ridiculously low but I could see why people don't want to do it I mean, when you hear the comments that Rivera's made this offseason, like, sure, he just, <laughs> I mean, he could get fired for stupidity in the comments. I mean, like, forget the games. Yeah, it's, I, I think they'll still be good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not great from Rivera's standpoint here. And, and maybe, just maybe, he has his interim head coach calling the plays right yep. now with Eric Bienemy. Maybe that's why he was all spicy about Bienemy earlier on, saying that the, uh, the, the I, player said I, he's I too hard so. on him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to thank Bill AD and everybody let Len Mead at Vison too. That they're, yeah. they're doing a promotion for the uh, football. If done you buy right. a subscription, yeah. if you buy a subscription to the Vison, which I think everybody should, it's the best information out there. It's unfiltered, it's honest, and it leans you towards making money. Uh, you get a copy of Football Done Right, and if you want to get it autographed, uh, you know, find me on Twitter, and I'll give you my office address. And if you send it to me, I'll send it back to you. That's awesome stuff. There, you excited, man? This is the day before it uh, it comes out. Yeah. Football done right. This, yeah, it's, it, it, does yeah, this, does it's this feel like it's game day is coming up tomorrow? No, I, I think what it feels like is a. I wish my mother were alive to see it, and b. Mm. My college roommate shaking his head, saying, "You couldn't put two sentences together. How the hell could you write a book? You know, two like, books the, for that uh, matter. Let alone two books." <laughs> hey, well, you, you must have did something right along the way. He must have did yeah, something well, right. I, I, I watched a lot of Rockford Files. I think that if, if, I, I, if I have a degree in anything, I have a degree in Jim Rockford. I can promise you that. Football done right. It is coming up tomorrow. Uh, any like, little snippet? Give the folks a little bit of snippet. Like, like, what, do you have like, a favorite part of the book? Is there something that like, you really uh, want people to take away when I they love read the, the book? I, 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 I really love writing the television chapter. because Not because mm. I work for the Musburger family, which started VEASAN but because of the impact of Brent and gambling and Jimmy the Greek uh, mm -hmm. and CBS letting him kind of talk about it and then going into the, uh, the sports line and where people were calling for scores uh, because we didn't have scores then. And I think Howard Cosell, to me, writing about him. And one of my favorite moments in, in, as a kid growing up was when Sinatra came back and they had the main event and Cosell read the introduction line live from New York, you know, a, a city who resonates. And he goes, and I put that in the book. I wanted it. I, I love the television chapter. I loved writing about each player, too, because mm -hmm. each player, I try to tell a different story of what made the player, not try to just tell you how great he is, you know, and tell you about why he was something special. I loved writing about Joe Montana and the great Ronnie Lott, guys that I saw as a kid watching them. Uh, and I didn't know enough then to know how great they really were. But as I look back as an older NFL guy, I think, wow, that was that I was so blessed. Yeah. That's a great setup there for the book. Once again, football done right. It comes out tomorrow. Get it wherever you get your books. And that does it here for us. And the wraps up the offseason on this Labor Day Thursday. We will have a game. Lions, Chiefs. Four We're screen preview. Femi's coming, fans. Oh, the Four bets are coming. Femi. <laughs> the bets are coming. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vison. Thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you Thursday. Game day. It's here this week. Get it wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is the GM Shuffle.